0: When you hear that cry in the sky... Hi, folks. The program originally canceled for this time will now be heard.
1: River McGee and Molly!
2: Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company.
1: Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, after ten years, radio gets its revenge. We now present a program that will scare Orson Welles.
4: <laughs> From Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, The Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorraine Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs>
5: someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this
6: morning. And now, here is O.T.R.O. Were there any phone calls for me?
7: Were there any phone calls for Are you kidding? Why, it's getting so every time I pass the telephone these days, the receiver jumps up and down on the hook. <laughs>
6: Give Alice her calls,
8: Siri.
7: Okay. Harold called. Wants you to go to the Swing Shifters dance with him. Artie called. Wants you to go to the Swing Shifters dance with him. Cliff called, wanted to know could you go to the swing shifters dance with him. (laughs) Gerald called up and wanted you to go to the swing shifters dance with him. Eddie called. Uh, What did he want? He didn't say.
6: I think I'll go to the dance with Eddie.
7: Gee, ain't that just like a woman? Five guys call and ask you do you want to go to the dance, so you got to go with a guy that don't ask you.
6: Oh, but Mister McGee, I like Eddie because he's so masterful. The way I first met Eddie was at a dance, and I was dancing with a boy, and Eddie came up with a great big knife in his hand and said, "May I cut in?" <laughs> <laughs>
9: Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. This episode is from November 2nd, 1943. I thought I would step in here and, and say that y- usually, you know, in comedy, it comes in threes. You have 2 setup set-up lines, and then the third line is usually the punchline. But in this episode, in this particular instance, that I point out of Fibber McGee and Molly with the scene with Alice Darling, they took a big chance and they added a fourth element to it. So instead of two setup lines and then the punch line, they went with four setup lines and the punch line, and they still got a laugh. That's the funny part. that... They were able to get away with it. (laughs) It's really genius. And that was Alice Darling. Quite the character she is. Anyway, this episode is entitled Ants in the House. And you have to figure out which house, where are the ants, and how does Fibber McGee and Molly get rid of them. And enjoy Shirley Mitchell, Ransom Sherman, and all the other cast members of this episode of Fibber McGee and Molly And I'll be back with Burns and Allen and we got a double shot of Red Skelton this week, so enjoy.
5: Here's Pippa McGee and Molly.
0: For the American Armed Forces and their allies, Special Service presents the Fibber McGee and Molly Show with Billy Mills and his orchestra, the King's Men, Ransom Sherman, and Arthur Q. Bryan. It's a
4: wonderful and inspiring thing when a man and his wife can spend a quiet afternoon at home discussing the trend of the modern novel, current modes in impressionist art, Post-war economics and other such cultural topics. It's also fun just to sit and
0: play gin rummy. Like Fever, McGee and Molly. I wish I could
7: remember what happened with that ten of spades. Are you holding it?
8: I won't tell, dearie. Hmm? You knew what I was holding. Now McGee, stop peeking through the discard.
7: Well, gee, who is it? The guy can't take a peek.
8: Down with four down with
7: four. Wow. You sure caught me with my fallen arches. (laughs) That Look at that, 87.
8: Minus four is 83. Well, that's game. Wow. And you now owe me (laughs) $11,649.13. Well, that's
7: not so much considering we've been playing every night since the game was invented. (laughs) How much I owe you in cash?
8: A dollar sixteen. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just play one more game.
7: Ah, for the love of Mike! Try and be peaceful in a with a game of cards and what happens? People run through here like Germans crossing the diaper.
8: <laughs> Deary, that's Dnieper.
7: Now, yeah, might be Dnieper in the middle, but anyway, I don't. Care. Come in. Uh,
8: hello, Mr. McGee.
7: Hello, McGee. Hi, Doc old Sock. How's everything in the stick out your tongue and say all right?
8: Ah, you look tired, doctor. Sit down, and rest a few minutes.
10: Thank you, my dear. I am tired. Most of the younger doctors have gone to the service. And we old men have a lot more cases to handle. Oh,
7: you're not so old, doc. I'll bet you're not a day over 85.
8: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> gee, Dr. Gamble is no more than 50.
7: Well, frankly, I feel right now as though I'd been the obstetrician in care of Methuselah's mother. <laughs> hey, look, folks, am I intruding? Oh, not at all, Doc. Not at all, old kid. Not at all. We were just sitting around playing gin rummy. Care to take me on for a whirl? Ten cents a point?
10: Oh, thanks. I don't like the way you play.
7: Hmm? You always manage to turn over at least five of your opponent's cards every time you deal. Just thought I thought I'd stop in and rest a minute, Mrs. McGee. You sure do look bush, Doc. You're as beat out as a World Series bun. Well, stop rubbing it. Stop rubbing it in, you little sadist. I know I'm tired, but I've still got more stamina in my left ear than you have in your whole pudgy little carcass. Oh yeah. Don't throw that pudgy business at me, Doctor. Why, you haven't seen your toes since you quit wearing pins in your knickers.
8: (laughs) Ah, now, McGee, stop arguing. Dr. Gamble isn't fat. Oh, no.
7: (laughs) He can't even touch his necktie without bending his
4: knees. (laughs) All right, McGee, I'm too weary to punch the bag with you today. Thanks for the hospitality, Mrs. McGee. i better run along home.
8: Oh, don't be in a hurry, doctor. Well, I'm
7: not. In fact, I hate to go home. My house is in such a mess. Full of ants? Full of ants? Gee whiz, Doc, why don't you do something? Well, here we go again. Another call for Alice Darley.
8: I'll get it, McGee. 79 Whistle Vista, Marley McGee speaking. Who? Dr. Gamble? Why, yes, he's right here. It's for you, Doctor. It's a man, and he's very excited. Yeah,
4: they always are. Probably got a severe hangnail. <laughs> Hello? Yes. All right, I'll
7: be right over. Have plenty of boiling water and clean linen. Yes, right away. Sorry folks, I gotta be going. Oh. I am about to be master of ceremonies at the world premiere of Another Little Taxpayer. Good day. <laughs> ah, good old Doc. Just the middle man between the bird with the big bill and the guy with the big sickle. <laughs>
8: You know that that poor man is almost worn out, McGee? I'll see. Do you see his eyes? I'll see. He's got
7: pouches under him that a kangaroo would be proud of.
8: (laughs) You know what, McGee? I was just thinking. It might be neighborly of us if we... Well, heavenly days, he's been nice to us. And if the poor, tired man needs his dishes washed and his kitchen cleaned up, I don't see why we can't...
7: Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Let him exterminate his own ants. He's a doctor, and if he don't know how to be sanitary... But, McGee,
8: we owe it to him. Why do we? Well, think of the things he's done for you.
7: Yeah, at five bucks a thing.
8: <laughs> well, now, not necessarily. He you got your thumb out of that bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> and he fixed your eye the time you stuck the turkey leg in it. <laughs> He gave you emergency treatment the time you broke your arm showing more tubes how you could take your vest off without removing your coat.
0: <laughs> yeah, but gee, where's yeah, that? Yeah, and
8: who scarred the town to find you a rubber donut the time you sat on the hornet at the Elk's picnic? But <laughs> <laughs> gee,
0: where's
7: that? Huh? That don't mean we got to barge into a guy's house and start exterminating
6: stuff. When well, we... it does to me. Now get your hat and we'll walk right over. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mister McGee. Hi, Al. Hello, Alice dear. <laughs> oh, were there any phone calls for me?
7: Were there any phone calls for me? Are you kidding? Why, it's getting so every time I pass the telephone these days, the receiver jumps up and down on the hook.
8: <laughs> <laughs> he crabs about it ringing all the time, Alice. But once it rings, Superman couldn't keep the, uh, couldn't beat him to the phone. <laughs> Give Alice her calls, dearie.
7: Okay. Harold called. Wants you to go to the swing shifters dance with him. Artie called. Wants you to go to the swing shifters dance with him. Cliff called. Wanted to know could you go to the swing shifters dance with him.
0: <laughs>
7: Gerald called up and wanted you to go to the swing shifters dance with him. Eddie called.
6: Uh, what did he want?
7: He didn't say. <laughs>
6: I think I'll go to the dance with Eddie.
7: Gee, ain't that just like a woman? Five guys call and ask you, do you want to go to the dance? So you got to go with a guy that don't ask you.
6: Oh, but Mr. McGee, I like Eddie because he's so masterful. Mm. The way I first met Eddie was at a dance, and I was dancing with a boy, and Eddie came up with a great big knife in his hand and said, May I cut in? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Eddie's really rugged. (laughs) Are you going to work now, Alice? Uh, It's a little early, isn't it? Yes, but I'm going to stop at the hospital and see Jerome. He's one of my boyfriends that he had an accident on account of being too patriotic.
5: Too patriotic.
6: Yes. Jerome was riding in a convertible with a top down and just as he drove under a viaduct the car radio started playing the national anthem and (laughs) Jerome stood up. Oh dear. Did it knock him out? Yes, but he climbed back in again. Then after I go to the hospital and see Jerome, I have to get to the factory early because the fellows and girls on my shift are putting on a musical comedy and I have to start hercing.
7: You mean rehearsing?
6: No, we haven't rehearsed at all yet. Oh, <laughs> oh it's going to be a perfectly super production, my dears. It's a story about a girl who is simply mad about this great lover, and she tries to help him break out of prison. Oh, what's the name of it, Alice? Romeo and Joliet.
7: <laughs> Look, Alice, if anybody wants us before you leave, tell them we're over at Doc Gamble's, will you? I
6: certainly will, Mr. McGee. I'll write a little note and leave it on the door telling everybody where you are. Fine. But when I leave the house, I'll tear it up so the burglars won't know there's nobody here. Goodbye.
7: You' <laughs> will write a note and leave it on the door, but when she leaves, she'll tear it up. I don't get it. Come on, Molly, let's go. We got to go.
11: Billy Mills of the orchestra and how sweet you are.
8: Dr. Gamble's house when we get there, McGee. And the
7: key's under the mat. How do you know? How do I know? Why, that's where practically everybody keeps the key.
8: Well, don't you think Dr. Gamble is too intelligent to use such an obvious hiding place? Ah, uh-huh,
7: that's just the point. He's so intelligent, he knows nobody'd ever think he'd do it, so he does it and fools him.
8: <laughs>
7: but he don't fool me. I'm intelligent, too.
8: Well, here's your chance to prove it, theory. This is Dr. Gamble's
7: house. Okay. There. There's the key under the mat.
8: See? <laughs> you certainly figured that one out, McGee. Bet Now come on. Oh my! What an attractive house, McGee. Look at that beautiful grandfather's clock by the stairway there. <laughs> See any ants? Not yet, but the kitchen is probably where they are. Let's look out there, huh? Mm-hmm.
7: I guess Doc ain't such a bad housekeeper for a bachelor. Everything looks clean.
8: Yeah, but you know how men are. <laughs> Careless with crumbs and things. Mm-hmm. See if there's any ants on the windowsill.
7: Okay, I'll take a gander. Here, give me a hand and I'll step up on the sink and...
8: All right. Better brace yourself on the tiny cabinet there. <laughs> Not a sign of ants here, Molly. Maybe they are That's that cabin, McGee, the is Lou. Oh, that's okay. I only... <laughs> Broken every piece of china in the cabinet.
7: Well, that's better than busting only half of it.
8: I see an ant. Where? Right there. Oh no, it's
7: just a little common toast or something.
8: Personally, I can't see anything in this light. Open the Venetian blind, dearie. Okay. I think stuck. Pull huh? it harder. <laughs>
7: Imagine that, I was pulling the wrong cord.
8: <laughs> Can you get it back up?
7: Sure, nails just pulled loose is all. Hand me something to pound it back in with. That silver pitcher. No,
8: no, you'll scratch it all up.
7: So what? Silver pitcher's going to get scratched up sooner or later anyway. Thanks.
12: <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do
8: now?
7: My hand slipped. <laughs> broke the window.
8: Well, then... Hand me the silver pitcher.
7: I can't. It fell out the
8: window. (laughs) Hey,
7: give me a towel or something to stuff in this hole. Otherwise, Doc will have ants, bees, birds, butterflies, and homing pigeons in here.
5: (laughs)
8: Ah, there we are. Maybe this was all a mistake, McGee. Look, we've only been here five minutes and the place is a wreck.
7: Well, you can't make an omelet without busting a couple of eggs, I always say. Now, the first thing we got to hey, do... Hey, is... Trevor,
8: Molly, where are you? Who's that? Sounds like Mr. Wilcox. I'm in the kitchen, Mr. Wilcox. How'd
0: he know where we were? Well,
8: Alice probably... Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox.
0: Hello, folks. Great galloping goldfish.
7: Something explode in here? No, we're just doing this as a favor to Doc Gamble, Jr. Oh! <laughs>
0: As a favor.
8: Dr. Gamble said he had ants, Mr. Wilcox. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if he didn't, he will have when he sees this mess. What were you doing, chasing him on horseback? No. Hey, what are you doing, Fibber? Who, me? The well, doc's got the temperature set too low on this refrigerator. I'm
8: adjusting. I think I just about got it now. Word of ought to be just about all. Oh! oh. oh.
7: Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, what a piece of junk that thing is. One little twist and the whole
4: inside falls apart. Well, excuse me, folks, I'm getting out of here. Why, Mr. Wilcox? Why?
0: Doc Gamble is our family physician, that's why. If he knew I was connected with this house wrecking, I wouldn't dare call him for a case of hiccups.
12: Goodbye.
0: <laughs> dear,
8: dear. Sissy, scaredy cat. Well, it does look pretty bad in here, McGee. Smashed china, hole in the window, blind torn down, and the refrigerator broken. Now, this is terrible. Oh, no, I
7: don't know. I think Doc will appreciate knowing how he got gypped on this house. I wonder how much he paid for this joint.
8: Well, I wouldn't know, dear.
7: Hey, uh. Suppose I could tell by looking through his check stubs.
8: What? They must be
7: right in the desk McGee,
8: you can't do that. People don't prowl through other people's private belongings like that. Ah,
7: that's just an old superstition. I always says that... Somebody's the back door, McGee. If it's a fellow with ragged clothes and a long white beard, that's our laundry man. He's been missing for a long time. Come in.
13: Hi, mister. Well, I'll be a... Hi, sis. What do you want? Nothing, I guess, mister. Uh-huh. I just thought I'd come over and see what you were doing. What you doing? What you?
7: Uh,
8: well, sis, I Well, tell Dr. You. Gamble's having trouble with Aunt's little girl, so we thought we'd come over and see what we could do. Yeah, how
7: did you know we were here?
8: Well, that girl told me, you know, the one that lives at your house.
7: Hmm?
13: Miss O'Brother.
7: Miss what?
13: Miss O'Brother. Anyway, that's what my daddy calls her. Huh? Every time he looks out the window and sees her go by, he says, there she goes, old brother.
5: <laughs> well, uh... I
7: see. What does your mother say to that day? Yeah, what does she think about all this?
13: Oh, she just laughs and laughs. <laughs> she says my daddy's gone through the dangerous age. <laughs> What is a man's
7: dangerous age, sis?
13: Well, Mama says it's between 14 and 100. (laughs) I mean, rare cases, 102. (laughs) See, what you been doing in here, mister? Everything's all busted up.
0: (laughs) Oh, a
7: couple of minor accidents, sis. Now you run along. We're going to be busy.
13: Okay, mister. Goodbye.
7: So long. And don't take any wooden dolls.
13: Oh, I wouldn't, mister. Not after what happened to Edgar Bergen. What happened to Bergen? Well, he took a wooden doll once and hasn't been able to move his lips for 20 years.
0: The King's Men Perry Botkin's new hit, Riding Herd on a Cloud. He was a cowboy, a 2 piston hitter, and always ready for a ride. Now he's a-riding a different kind.
5: Look out for some
0: I yip an
10: information with the cowboys of the sky Someone
0: back home feeling mighty brown Says a prayer while he's there and when I
7: on the box of that ant poison, Molly. i got to sprinkle some more around the living room here.
8: Oh, heavenly days, McGee. That makes seven boxes we've used mm-hmm. up. And you got it track all over the house. Now, look at that carpet. Well, the more there's around, the more ants it'll kill. Hey, help me move the piano out from the wall. Okay. One, two, three, it- push! What was that?
7: Music rack on the piano. Busted in two when I started hauling on it. Oh, Boy, Doc, sure took a beating on these furnishings. I never saw anything so flimsy.
0: Did you see that arm come off
8: that love seat when I picked it up? McGee, watch where you're sprinkling that powder. Remember, that's poison. Well, that's
7: all the powder there is anyway. Won't be an ant dare stick its head in here for the next 20 years.
8: Shall we put the furniture back where it belongs now, dearie?
7: No, no, leave it out. Let Doc see how much work we've been doing for him. Hey, these are good cigars he's got here.
8: I'll
7: take a handful on behalf of how he'll appreciate what we're doing for him.
8: I think I'll sit down and rest a minute here.
7: Me too. Hey, look. Well, slice me in two and call me slim if that ain't a television set.
8: Ever see one of these, Molly? No, and leave it alone, McGee. We've done enough damage in here. Oh, you
7: can't hurt these things. Look, it's just just like a radio, except it's got a screen up here that a picture's projected onto like a movie. See? What's
8: the screen made of? Glass,
7: I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, Glass. (laughs) Yeah, but they're easy and replaceable. a matter of fact,
0: he... Uh-oh. Somebody at the door. Come in. Hello, Molly, darling. Hello, Fibber, lad. Alice told me to be over here working, and I thought maybe I could help.
8: Oh, no, thank you, Uncle Dennis.
0: Hey, yeah. Come here. Come here. here. We've got a tag sticking to your shirt front. Oh, I help. Have... I take it off, Molly, McFerrin. Now, hold still. There. Let me see that. Aha. Uh-huh,
7: I thought so. Merry Christmas from Molly to Fibber.
0: <laughs> Now, look here, Uncle. No, Bennett. no, no, don't get excited, lad. I was only breaking it in for you. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I bought you a necktie to go with it now. You give me that tie for my birthday. Well, I bought it, didn't I? Goodness, lad. Now, doggone gone it, Uncle. One no, now, no,
7: boys.
8: Uh, well, I'll scram along will you. We'll be home very shortly.
7: Very
0: well, lad. And don't hurry home now, Molly, because I peeled the onions and they're cooking in the pot this very moment. What onions? The ones in the paper bag on the sideboard. Hey, those weren't onions. Those were Molly's new tulip bulbs. Uh, tulip bulbs they were, huh? Sure. No, and I had one slice raw on a sandwich, and it wasn't bad at all. <laughs> but then us Driscolls have always loved flowers. Goodbye now. Well,
8: McGee, it's getting late and we've got to get this house straightened up. Just take a look at it.
7: Sure is a mess, is it?
8: Mess is right. That green ant poison tracked all over the house, furniture broken, the china smashed, the refrigerator out of kilter, and heaven knows what. Oh, well. Now, come on out in the kitchen. We'll start the straight now. Oh. Heavenly days now, what?
7: I tripped over the lamp cord. It's <laughs> a good thing I didn't fall into on that busted globe, or Doc would have had a nice lawsuit on his hands. <laughs> Leaving the lamp cord like I saw for people like that. The lamp cord
8: was under the rug. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh.
8: My like Doc's got company. Hi, right, ladies. You want to see Doc Gamble? Yeah, uh, because he isn't here right now. Uh, won't you sit down and wait? What has been going on here? Oh, look at this house, Clarissa. It's a wreck. That horrible green powder all over everything. And who are you,
14: may I ask?
7: Oh, we're, we're neighbors, sis, Mr. and Mrs. McGee. You see, when Doc said he hated to come home on account of his house being overrun with ants, we... Thought I that... beg your pardon, such insolence. Please go. At once. Oh, yeah? Well, now wait a minute, girl. Yes,
8: who are you, if we may ask? We are Dr. Gamble's ants. <laughs> I'm <laughs> He's ruined all my tulip
7: bulbs. Yeah. Well, I
0: just called the drugstore and they haven't got any. Any what? Uncle poison. McGee, please. You're welcome.
8: Good night. Good night, all. (laughs)
15: A shampoo and set?
2: Oh, yes, and I'm kind of in a hurry, Josie. Well, I'll do my
15: best, Mrs. Burns, but we're short-handed, and I have to work on the customer in the next booth, too. The old horse face, I hope he chokes. He? You mean there's
2: a man in the next booth?
15: <laughs> well, sort of a man.
1: Josie, where are you?
15: Oh, that's him. I wish he'd go sit on a hot curling iron.
0: <laughs> Josie,
7: come back here. This finger wave of mine stinks. <laughs>
2: Well, that voice is awfully familiar. I wonder
7: who... Josie, do you hear me? This finger wave
2: stinks. All
15: right, all right. Leave your hair on the table and I'll do it over again. Hello, <laughs> you know, Josie, I'm sure I know that man. What's his name? I'm not allowed to tell, Mrs. Burns. The old goat scared the newspapers might find out he goes to a beauty shop. Oh, come on, Josie. Give me a little hint. Well, he's the stingiest man in Hollywood.
2: Oh, Stingy, huh?
15: And how. When he gets a mud pack, we have to save the mud for him so he can put it in his victory garden.
9: <laughs> hey everyone, it's OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Burns and Allen. This episode is from November 2nd, 1943. And as you just heard, Jack Benny is on the show. Now, whenever Jack Benny got on the show, Burns and Allen's ratings would skyrocket just for that week. I'm surprised they didn't have Jack on more than once a year because he was really a draw to a lot of shows and very popular comedian. And, of course, you know, George Burns was his very best friend, so he would do anything to uh, help uh, George's ratings by coming on the show. And I'm sure that George didn't have to pay Jack anything. Jack did for nothing. So enjoy this episode of George Burns and Gracie Allen and find out what Gracie does to Jack Penny in this episode. And I'll be back with a double dose of Red Skelton.
2: Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company.
1: This is Bill Goodwin, speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine castiles. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, our guests, Jack Benny, Jimmy Cash, Felix Mills and his orchestra, and the Swan Tech. And now, meet the people who live in the Burns house George and Gracie. Well, it's morning in the Burns home, and George is just coming downstairs to leave for the office.
2: Good morning, dear. Morning, darling. Look what the postman just brought you. A present from Pat O'Brien.
1: Oh.
7: I bet Pat is sorry he started that rumor about me being a juggler. Open the package, dear.
2: All right.
12: I met him yesterday and I told him a few jokes. I guess that convinced him I was a comedian. But, what, uh, what are you laughing about? What's in the package?
2: A set of Indian clubs. <laughs>
12: <laughs> Next time I get my hands on that oh, Irishman, believe me... George,
2: before long, everybody will know that you're not a juggler. They'll know you for what you really are.
12: And, uh, what, uh, what is that?
2: Well, a singer, of course. Oh, oh that.
12: Oh, sure. <clears throat>
2: I-, I wrote to our sponsor and suggested that you sing on our program every week.
12: That's the twelfth time.
2: Yeah, but this time he answered.
12: Say, that's a good sign. Open the letter.
2: Um, Wait till Bing Crosby hears you sing. He'll retire and start to raise a family.
12: (laughs) Oh, Gracie. I'm not better than Crosby. As good, maybe, but... uh, Well, (laughs) open the letter. What does the sponsor say?
2: Believe me, there are plenty of other big programs that would like to have George Burns as a singer.
12: Gracie, the letter, open it. Well?
2: George, what are some of the other big programs?
12: <laughs> Turn me down again, oh, huh? uh,
2: never mind, dear. You're a great singer, even Bill Goodwin said with a voice like yours, you ought to sing in our big army show. Army show. Yes, it's in charge of some officer named Major Bose.
12: <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget it. <clears throat> I better get along to the office.
2: yeah, I'll ride down in the bus with you. I-, I have an appointment at the beauty shop.
12: okay, let's go. Oh
2: wait uh, before we leave. Won't you sing something just for me? Oh, Grace. Oh, please, dear. Just one little glorious burst of melody. Well,
12: all right. Just a jiggle. Everywhere I go. People know the part. I'm playing. Oh Oh. George,
2: you're wonderful. I won't be happy until your voice leaves the whole world the way it leaves me, weak and limp. Thanks. Oh, come on. I'm due at the beauty shop in five minutes.
15: Well, what'll it be today, Mrs. Burns? A shampoo and set? Oh, yes, and I'm kind of in a hurry, Josie. Well, I'll do my best, Mrs. Burns, but we're short handed, and I have to work on the customer in the next booth, too. The old horse face. I hope he chokes.
2: He? You mean there's a man in the next booth? <laughs>
15: well... Sort of a man
4: Josie, where are you?
15: Oh, that's him I wish he'd go sit on a hot curling iron
7: Josie, come back here This finger wave of mine stinks
2: (laughs) No, that voice is awfully familiar I wonder
7: who... Josie, do you hear me? This finger wave
15: stinks All right, all right Leave your hair on the table And I'll do it over again (laughs) Sure, I know that man. What's his name? I'm not allowed to tell, Mrs. Burns. The old goat scared the newspapers might find out he goes to a beauty shop. Oh, come on, Judy. Give me a little hint. Well, he's the stingiest man in Hollywood.
2: Oh, stingy, huh?
15: And how? When he gets a mud pack, we have to save the mud for him so he can put it in his victory garden.
2: I can't get it from that Give me another hint Well, let's see Um, uh,
15: He used to drive an old, broken-down Maxwell uh, No, it's no use I can't guess who it is <laughs> You're not missing anything He's tried to date every girl in town And nobody will go out with him
2: Oh, oh, hello, Jack How's Mary? <laughs> hey, Gracie, is that you? Well, yeah, come on into my booth, Jack Oh,
1: sure, sure
7: Well oh. hello, Gracie. I guess you're surprised to see me here. Oh,
2: well, yes, I am.
7: Well, you see, Mary lost a Bobby pin the last time she was here, and I <laughs> I dropped by to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh,
7: you know what the Bobby Pin situation is. Terrible. Oh, sure. I bet you thought I was here to get a beauty treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Gracie, you sound like you don't believe me
2: (laughs) Maybe that's because I don't
7: Well, if I'm lying, may something terrible happen to Phil Harris
15: Oh, uh, Mr. Benny Yes? Here's your mud, I wrapped it up
2: for you
7: Oh, well They'll always play too loud anyway.
2: <laughs> well, Jack Benny in a beauty shop. <laughs> Wait till the girls hear this.
1: Now, Gracie, look, look you must oh, promise girls, me... I brought your swan soap. Oh, hello, Gracie. Oh, well,
2: hello, Bill.
1: Why, Jack Benny, what are you doing here? Well,
2: you, Bill. He's, he's... Well,
1: Bill Goodwin in a beauty shop. <laughs> Wait till the girls hear this, huh, Gracie? Wait a minute. I just came over to bring some swan soap. Well, Bill, I... So Bill Goodwin has beauty treatments. That's really something to tell the girls, huh, Gracie? Hey, look, the operators here use swan soap, not only because it's so mild for the customer's complexion, but because that same mildness makes it great at home, for the dishes, light laundry, or for bathing the baby. Swan's the new white floating soap that's four swell soaps in one. Well, Bill... Bill! Well, get... Bill Goodwin and a beauty
5: shop. <laughs> really,
7: I,
1: I thought that curly hair wasn't natural. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. No girl in this shop has ever laid a hand on me. Except, of course, after working hours. <laughs> oh. What are you doing here, Benny?
2: Oh, well, I'll tell you, Bill. Jack is... here. Bill Goodwin and a beauty shop. <laughs>
1: I'm getting manicures and everything. I am not. My hands just happen to look gorgeous because I always wash my dishes with swan. Oh. Swan is great for washing the dishes. Gives you loads of suds. Suds that are so mild and gentle, your hands don't get that rough red dish panty look.
16: Well, Bill... Okay. Bill! <laughs> good one in a beauty
10: shop. And
1: and to have his eyebrows plucked, that's something, isn't now, it? Now, look, Jack, I told you, I just came here to deliver some swan soap. Swan's a great wartime buy. What I want to know is, what's Jack Benny doing here?
2: Well, I'll tell you, Bill.
1: What? Oh, Bill, go... Oh, day. nuts. Goodbye. <laughs>
7: Gracie, Gracie, look, for heaven's sake, don't let out my secret. I mean, I don't want everyone I meet to know I've been taking beauty treatments.
2: Oh, don't worry, Jack. They'll never suspect it. <laughs> <laughs>
7: well, anyway, don't you tell. You know, if the newspapers get hold of it, I'm cooked. And you know how the gang would kid me on my program.
2: Oh, yeah, your program. Uh, Jack, you don't want this to get in the papers, huh?
7: No, I- I'll do anything to keep it out, Gracie, anything
2: oh, Good. good uh, Starting Sunday, Jack, George will sing on your program George? <laughs> yes
7: Sing? Uh-huh Gracie, I've heard prettier noises come out of Carmen Lombardo yes. <laughs>
2: Jack, I'm going to telephone a little news item to the paper. Wait, wait.
12: Oh, you mean George Burns? Yes. Oh, George, your husband? Yeah. Oh, old sugar throw. Sure.
2: Oh. Oh,
7: well, I, I don't suppose it would hurt if George sang on my program once. Well, it?
2: I was thinking of having him sing every week.
7: No, no, no. 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 well, I'll call the paper. But, Gracie, this is blackmail.
2: <laughs> I know. Cute of me, huh?
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah, cute, cute.
1: The Swantet joins our popular tenor, Jimmy Cash, in an enchanting ballad from the top musical show of the year, Oklahoma. Oh, what a
12: beautiful morning Oh, what a beautiful day I got a beautiful feeling Everything's going my way There's a bright golden haze on the meadow There's a bright golden haze on the meadow The corn is as high as an elephant's eye And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky Oh, what a beautiful morning Oh, what a beautiful day I got a beautiful feeling Everything's going my way Okay Oh, what a beautiful morning Oh, what a beautiful day
5: I got a beautiful feeling Everything's going my way
1: Well, we're back at the Burns' home now. Jack Benny is pleading with Gracie to change her mind as they wait for George to come home from the office. But, but why does it have to be my program,
7: Gracie? I mean, why don't you have George sing on Eddie Cantor's program?
2: Well, because I didn't catch Eddie Cantor in a beauty shop with his toupee and curlers.
7: Gee, <laughs> hey, there must be some other show he can go on. Maybe... maybe Gabriel Heater need to sing LAUGHTER Or Mr. Anthony. I mean, why don't you let George be his problem?
2: Oh, you, you amaze me. How can Jack Benny, who has the greatest talent in the world, fail to recognize George's talent?
7: Oh, 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 do you really think I have the greatest talent in the world?
2: Well, certainly, Rochester, Dennis Day, Mary Livingston. (laughs) Oh, 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 I see. And now I've got a big thrill for you. I have your program for next Sunday night, all planned. You have? Yes. It'll be the new and entertaining Jack Benny program featuring George Burns, California's answer to Frank Sinatra. <laughs>
7: I, look, I, I can't do it, Gracie. I mean, I can't allow George to sing. Oh,
2: shall I call the papers and tell him about the beauty shop?
7: He sings, he sings, oh. he sings.
2: <laughs> now, listen to the way I have the program all worked out. You're the star, so, of course, you come out first. Thank you. Your line is, Hello. And then George comes out for his opening number.
7: I just say hello.
2: Well, we could make it hello, everybody.
7: No, no, I don't want to hog the whole show.
2: Well, then George sings his second number, and back you come again. Good. To announce George's next number.
7: I hope my throat stands up.
2: And then right after that, Dennis Day comes in.
7: Dennis Day? Yes. Well, doesn't George do all the singing?
2: Well, yes, but I thought you might want a few laughs on the program.
7: Oh, yeah, I'll be glad to have them. I will,
2: yes. Uh, Then as soon as George finishes his next number, I'll come... Now, wait
7: a minute, wait a minute. Gracie, George can't sing the whole program. I mean, he's not that good. I know music, you know, I'm a musician. You are? Well, I play the violin, don't I? (laughs) Well, don't I?
2: (laughs) You're cute.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Look, Gracie, all that I'm...
2: Why, Jack Benny...
7: Hello, George. How's the juggling game? (laughs) I'm not a juggler.
2: Why doesn't everybody stop with that? Oh, now, dear, don't get excited. Jack has some marvelous news for you. Tell him, Jack. Well, Jack, I think I'll go call the papers.
7: All right, all right. I'll tell him.
2: Oh, good. I'll run out and make some coffee. Well, Jack, what is it you want to tell me?
7: Well, first, first, I'd like to remind you that you're my dearest friend, George. And you're my dearest friend, Jack. I mean, you're even more than a friend to me, George. You're even more than a friend to me, Jack. I love you. I love you like a brother, George. I love you like a brother, Jack. I mean, I'd never do anything to hurt you, George. Thanks. Wait a minute, I'll try that again. (laughs) I'd never do anything to hurt you, George. I said, thanks. (laughs) George, look, I mean, I wouldn't louse you up if you had a comedy program.
12: If I had a comedy (laughs) program... I mean, look, you're my dearest friend. Look, Jack, what's the news, Jack?
7: I mean, you're even more than a friend to me.
12: The news, Jack. What's the news? What
7: pals we've always Uh, been. The news, Jack.
12: You have some news for me.
7: Look, remember the time in Cincinnati when you were broke and I gave you $10?
12: It was Cleveland, Jack, and I gave you $20.
7: Well, I had the state right. It was Ohio.
2: <laughs>
12: yeah, the news, Jack. What's this news you have for me? Well, yes.
2: Well, did, did Jack tell you the news?
12: No, not yet. He's been, he's been leading up to it by the way of Cleveland and Cincinnati. <laughs>
2: Jack, I'll bet little Abner won't be the funniest thing in the paper tomorrow. <laughs> uh,
7: oh, all right. George, look, I want you to sing on my radio program.
12: Why, Jack Benny.
7: Now, now don't really? be hasty, George. I mean, don't, don't jump at it. Uh, think it over for the duration.
5: <laughs>
12: I don't have to. I'll sing a dozen songs for you, pal, and it won't cost you a cent. For free? Sure. No, no, no.
7: Sure, no. I-, I can't think of it that way. Oh,
12: all right, then you can pay me.
7: No, I can't think of it that way either.
2: Hi. <laughs> Oh, what's making Jack hesitate, dear. He hasn't heard you sing recently. Sing ain't Haven for Sure,
7: him. glad to. Well,
2: sit down, Jack.
7: No, I'll take it standing up.
2: <laughs> well, come on, dear.
12: No one to talk with all by myself. No one to walk with I'm happy on the show. Ain't misbehavin' savin' all my love off. Oh, baby, love for you. Really savin' love for you. <laughs> he doesn't juggle at all. <laughs> I know for certain you're the one I love. I'm so through with flirting; it's you that I'm thinking of. Amos for heaven, saving all my love for. Oh, baby, my love for you. Jack, what makes
2: you think he's a juggler?
12: He must be.
2: <laughs> Jackie
12: Horner in the corner, don't go nowhere, and I don't care for all your kisses that you gave me, baby. Daddy, daddy, daddy.
7: I might be blood and guts, but that's just guts.
12: I don't stay out late and I don't care to go. I'm home about it, me and my radio. Ain't misbehavin', saving all my love for... you.
2: Well, Jack?
7: Gracie, called the newspaper. <laughs>
1: time for Felix Mills and his orchestra. Tonight, from Felix's memory album, it's Honeysuckle (laughs) Row.
12: I got the impression that Jack Benny didn't like my
2: singing. Oh, George, that's silly. Didn't you hear him tell me to call the newspapers? He wants to give them a big story about you. Yeah,
12: but I noticed that while I was singing, he he kind of turned green.
2: Oh, well, of course, of course he turned green. You sang exactly like John McCormick.
12: Oh, so that's what it well, was. Oh, sure.
2: Now, I'll go in and talk to Jack. You stay here and spray your precious little night.
12: Okay. From time to time and every time... Jack. Yeah?
2: Well, naturally, you were joking before when you told me to call the newspapers, weren't you?
7: Not me, Gracie. Look, I'd rather have everybody know I was in a beauty shop than have Sugar Throat smell up my program. <laughs>
2: well, I'm warning you. I'll phone the paper. Phone 'em. This is my last warning, Jack. Go ahead. I'll phone the paper. Phone em. This is my last warning, Jack. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll phone the paper. Phone em. This is my last warning, Jack. Go ahead. I'll phone the paper. For Pete's sake, phone them! No, Jack, no, I can't. I'm too fine, too decent. I can't stoop to blackmail when I see it isn't working.
7: Now, now please, don't think I'm a heel, Gracie. I'm, gee, I'm kind of animals, I'm fond of children, but I, I just don't like George's voice.
2: Oh. You're fond of children, huh? I love them. <sighs> Poor little Junior. Poor little who? Junior. He'd be so proud if he knew that his daddy had sung on the Jack Danny program.
7: Gracie, you mean...
2: Yes. George and I are parents now. He's the father and I'm the mother. <laughs> Gee
7: whiz, I, I can't believe it. How, when did it happen?
2: Well, I don't remember exactly. We were so excited at the time. Well,
7: I'll be darned. Good old George has a baby.
2: It hardly seems possible. Yes. I was amazed when George told me.
7: I just can't get over it, Gracie. I'm so happy for you, so happy for George. Who does the kid look like? Like me. I'm so happy for the kid. <laughs> Say, could I, could I see him? I'm crazy about kids. Really, Jack? Oh, sure. I mean, many's many the time I bought a bag of candy and blew up the bag to amuse a kid.
2: <laughs>
7: Imagine good old George, your father.
2: Well, you can do something awfully nice for Junior. Let his father sing on your program.
7: Gracie, I'm mad about children. No, but that...
2: please, Jack. The baby adores you. When you're on the air, he lies in this crib gurgling with his little foot in his mouth. When Fred Allen's on, he puts his foot in his ear.
7: He <laughs> what a smart little rascal.
2: Uh, I-, I know you'll do it for Junior. I can look in your sensitive blue eyes and tell that you won't disappoint him.
7: They are blue, aren't they? <laughs> All right, George can sing one song just for the baby
2: Well, let him sing two songs We're expecting another one (laughs) Really? Yes
7: Good old George (laughs) Did, did,
12: Did I hear somebody call me?
7: No, we were talking about you Gracie told me everything Congratulations, George
12: You mean I can sing a song on your program?
7: Yes, sir, you deserve it Gracie tells me there's going to be another one Well, two would be fine if it's all right with you (laughs) Why not? Have you picked out a name for the second one? Would you like Moonglow?
5: Moonglow
7: Burns (laughs) Look,
12: won't that be just a little too corny? Oh, I don't think so, Jack You know, while you were away, I took a few lessons from Crosby.
2: (laughs) You did? Now, George, I know Jack's in a hurry yeah, Yes, I'll be going,
7: but George, first, can I see the nursery?
2: Well, Jack The nursery? Hiya, folks, what?
7: what goes on?
2: Oh, Bill, am I glad to see you Bill, I
7: just heard the news Now, why didn't you tell me that George and Gracie
1: had yeah, a... Li-
2: yes, Bill, well, why didn't you tell Jack what George and I had?
1: Well, what did you have? An
2: idea for you to announce Jack's program and George sings on it
1: Huh? But I Oh, after- well, that's a great idea, Jack, I'd be glad to Now, wait a minute.
7: I have an announcer, Don Wilson. Well, okay. You can have two announcers. Don Wilson is
1: two
5: announcers.
1: (laughs) But Don can't announce your program, Jack. He doesn't know anything about Swan Soap. Swan Soap? Well, sure. He doesn't know that Swan is the new white floating soap that's four soaps in one. The soap for dishes, light laundry, bathing the baby, or for your hands and face. Don doesn't know that. Well, I could
7: teach him. I mean, what am I saying? I don't sell soap. I... I sell Grape Nuts Flakes. But but that's ridiculous, Jack. Can you bathe a baby with Grape Nuts Flakes? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't want to answer that until I've talked to my sponsor. (laughs) Well, I can... They're
1: very resourceful, you know. Well, I can... They may be working on that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you the doctors recommend Swan for bathing the baby. Swan is so mild it's kind even to a little baby's tender skin. It's pure as fine Castile's, too, so you know it must be great for your complexion. Gee, bathing a baby.
7: You ever bathe that little darling of yours, George?
12: Don't be silly. We take showers.
5: <laughs>
1: uh-huh?
2: Well, he, he means us. But the swan is great for bathing the baby.
1: Oh, yes, and Gracie breaks it in two, so she... Can... Breaks it in two? <laughs> Well, sure, Jack. Swan breaks in, two, so you can use half in the kitchen for your dishes and light laundry and half in the bathroom for the baby or for your tub or shower. Oh, well, look, Bill, don't bother to tell me about Swan so because I'm just using
7: George on my program, not you. You see, I'm only doing it for Junior.
2: Junior? Well, yes, George. That's what Jack calls you because you're so much younger than Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
7: look, I mean the baby. The baby? But, but
2: yes, that's but he calls me because I'm so much younger than you. No, Gracie, look,
7: I'm talking about your child. Child? Well,
2: goodbye, Jack. See you at rehearsal Sunday. Wait a
12: minute. Wait a minute. Gracie, what does he mean, our child?
2: Oh, dear. I knew there was something I forgot to tell you. <laughs> we haven't
12: got a child. You...
7: Well, so that's it, Gracie. Just to get George on my program, you invented a baby.
2: Oh, no, I can't take credit for that. They were invented years ago. (laughs) Don't try to
12: get out of it. I don't want to sing on the radio if I have to get on by tricks. Now, apologize to Jack.
2: I'm sorry, Jack.
12: And don't ever do a thing like that again. I won't, dear. Ever, understand?
2: Yes, dear.
7: Come on, Jack, I'll walk you down to the corner. My goodness, George, what you go through with a name... (laughs)
2: Uh, hello? Hello, Fipper. This is Gracie. Oh, uh, would you and Molly let George sing in your program next week? Yeah, I know you've got a singer, but I thought you might do it for Junior. Yes, you see, we just had a baby. can he be so tired?
1: George and Gracie will be right back. And I'm just going to be here long enough to remind you that the government needs your waste kitchen fats more than ever before. Now, I know sometimes it's a lot of trouble to render the extra fat you trim from meat and to strain all your waste fats from roasting and frying. But those waste fats are so urgently needed for making glycerin. And that glycerin is so necessary for making ammunition that I know you won't mind doing whatever you can. So don't forget, huh? Turn those waste fats into your butcher and keep turning them in. Well, here they are again, those ever-loving Burnses, George and Gracie.
2: Well, George, I've got some wonderful news. Silver McGee wants you to sing on his program. Really? Yes. And when he comes over to close the deal, will you sort of fold this napkin into a triangle? Why? Uh, Well, for some silly reason, he thinks we have a baby. Again? Good night, folks. Good night. (laughs) Good night.
1: makers of Swan, the new white floating coat, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune into your Columbia station again next week, same time. Don't forget, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS next Tuesday night. And now till next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, well, I, Swan, how about you? Good night, everybody.
9: Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of the Red Skelton Show. This episode is from October 22nd, 1948, and the episode is entitled Junior's Arsenal. I love it when Rod O'Connor and Red Skelton banter back and forth at the beginning of the episode, here's a little bit of that going on.
3: Uh, hey, I'm sorry you couldn't come to our housewarming, Rod. Well,
4: I'm sorry too, Red, yeah. but I'm glad that you and your wife, Georgia, have finally settled and you're in the house. How do yeah. you like it? Oh, fine. We just stand around and look at it all the time. <laughs> you mean you stand around because you're so thrilled with it? No, after paying for the
3: house, we haven't got any money left to buy any <laughs> furniture. Well, what kind of house is it? It's a Spanish house. Stucco? I certainly was. <laughs> pretty good bargain, though. $10,000 home for only $30,000 down. Who owned it before
4: you? Some used car dealer, I think. <laughs>
3: it's nice, though. It's got a sunken, a
4: sunken living room,
3: they told me after I sprained my ankle.
4: Well, it must be old. You know, those sunken living rooms are old-fashioned. I know,
3: but earthquakes are still the vogue in California. <laughs>
0: earthquakes. Uh. <laughs> How many rooms does it have?
3: Us. When they're lousy,
9: they're good lousy. <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean? Anyway, enjoy this Red Skelton show from October 22, 1948, and I'll bring you another episode right up to this one, and I'll see you then.
4: Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family watch.
16: It's in <laughs> dirts out. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E tide.
4: And now for Metro Golden Mayer, the star of our show, Red Skelton.
11: Yeah.
3: Thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, by the way, Rod, how was your trip to St. Louis with Art Lake Letter last week? Oh, it was wonderful. Yes, yeah,
4: mm-hmm. well, huh? Mm-hmm. But you get tired flying around the country all the time? Oh, no, those DC-6s and Constellations are wonderful. Yeah, but you got to lose weight. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> one of the stewardesses
3: told me that they strapped you in your berth, and during the night you turned over in your sleep, and they flew 90 miles upside down. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Skip uh, what's written here and pick up the next one. <laughs> I'm
3: not that fat. Oh, uh, hey, I'm sorry you couldn't come to our house warming, Rod.
4: Well, I'm sorry too, Red, yeah. but I'm glad that you and your wife, Georgia, have finally settled and you're in your new house. How do you like it?
3: Oh, fine. We just stand around and look at it all the time. <laughs> you mean you stand around because you're so thrilled with it? No, after paying for the house, we haven't got any money left to buy any furniture. <laughs> well, what kind of house is it? It's a Spanish house. Stucco? I certainly was.
5: Well, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, a,
3: it was a pretty good bargain, though. $10,000 home for only $30,000 down. Who owned it before you? Some used car dealer, I think <laughs> It's nice, though It's got a sunken, sunken living room They told me after I sprained my ankle
4: Well, it must be old You know, those sunken living rooms are old-fashioned
3: I know, but earthquakes are still the vogue in California <laughs> Earthquakes, eh uh...
7: <laughs> How many rooms did it have?
3: One thing about us When they're lousy, they're good and lousy <laughs>
5: How many rooms
3: does it have? How many rooms? Well, yeah. let's see. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. C- counting the uh, closets? No. Oh, five rooms. How many baths do you have? I have one every morning. Why? <laughs> hey, here. Here. Here's a picture of the house. It's a picture of the house. Yeah? Of course, it'll look better when I chop those weeds down.
4: Well, if I were you, I'd leave the weeds and chop the house down. <laughs> Well, it ain't that bad No, I'm kidding Say, uh, you do have a nice view of the mountains, though Oh, those aren't mountains
3: You see, I started a rock garden and It got away from me <laughs> Hey, here's a picture of the kitchen Here's a picture of the kitchen
4: Well, look at that sink It's right down on the floor Yeah, it is kind of low Must be a strain to wash the dishes Doesn't your wife complain?
3: Only when I ask her to massage my back After I finish the dishes <laughs>
4: What kind of furniture do you have? Is it Swedish modern, period, or early American? American surplus <laughs> Army
11: surplus.
4: Army surplus? surplus. Yeah,
3: we use a life raft for a mattress, old spam cans for flower pots, Mm -hmm. combat boots for bedroom slippers, and you should see the deep freeze. It's a Sherman tank with a lieutenant in it. (laughs) Why a lieutenant? Uh Huh? Why a lieutenant? They're the coldest things I ever met, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it'll be a nice house when you get it all fixed up, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. No, not with Georgia around. She's an artist. You know, Mm -hmm. last week she papered the hall with rolls of piano music. Mm -hmm. How does it look? Well, it looks all right, but every time you sneeze, the walls play Holiday for Strings. (laughs)
16: Our Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap Any soap? Yes, any soap
4: Hold on there, gal You're talking about the product
3: I love <laughs> and Saying it's the best soap for just getting things clean Is only telling half the yarn well... Leaving out the commercial
4: <laughs> <laughs> You didn't let her finish, did I? She was going to say Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap And cleaner than any other suds mm-hmm. Any other washing product known Procter & Gamble's Tide does a thorough top-to-bottom job on your family wash Tide not only leaves all your clothes free from dirt, it removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power, Tide is safe, truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide actually brightens gay stripes and checks, really freshens up those soap dull colors. And here's how Tide treats white shirts, table linens, and sheets. In hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too, week after week, never turns them yellow. Make your next wash a tide wash, for only a tide wash is all these wonderful things, the cleanest, the brightest, the whitest wash you ever hung on the line.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the Four Knights will sing Casey Jones. Sing it like you do at the Cricket Club, boys. Come on.
10: you round us. Now if you want to hear the story of a brave engineer mm-hmm. fellow who never knew the meaning of fear mm-hmm. Casey Jones was the roundest name On a 6'8 wheeler, boy, he won his fame mm-hmm. The caller called Casey at half past four mm-hmm. Kissed his wife at the station door Then he mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand And he took his family trip to the promised land Casey Jones mounted to the cabin Casey Jones. With his orders in his hand. Casey Jones. Mounted to the cafe. Oh, well, he took a farewell trip into the Promise Now put it in your water shovel and your coat. Stick your head out to to Watch them on Driver's Road. I'll run until she leaves the rail. Cause I'm eight hours late with the Western Mail. Look at his watch and his watch was slow. Looked at the water. The water was low. Then he turned to the fireman and he said. Said, hey, we're going to reach Frisco, but we all will be dead. Then case rounded up that Reno hill, and he took it for the cross, and will all for trail. one knew by the engine moan, that the man at the throttle was Casey Jones. He pulled up within two miles of the place, and old number four standing right in the face. He turned to the farmer and said, boy, you better jump, cause there's two locomotives and they're going a pump. Hey, look out, Casey. Do the locomotive, Casey, look out. Boy, you better jump. Casey Jones. He never left the cabin on his farewell trip to the promised land.
11: Something good, didn't you? <laughs> Me
3: back again. This is a story about two people who impress only themselves when they try to
1: impress other people.
14: Good morning, Willie.
3: Look, you trying to start now, I can... <laughs> what you wake me up for?
14: It's time for you to go to work.
3: You mean you're working Woke me up just is tell me that?
14: Well, <laughs> if you don't hurry up, you'll be late for work. Remember, you've got three mouths to feed.
3: Now, yeah, when did I grow two more mouths?
14: I was referring to myself and the other responsibility we acquired a year or two after
3: we were married. Oh, yeah. Well, you tell your mother I'm tired of supporting her. <laughs> tell her to get out. Tell her to pack her racing form and go.
5: <laughs>
3: I, I like that. Tell her to pack her racing
4: form and go. <laughs> Why do I have to go to work, anyway?
14: Well, if you work now, you can retire and take it easy when you're 60.
3: Well, what if I take it easy now?
14: You'll have to work when you're 60.
3: Well, maybe I'll be lucky and won't live to 60. (laughs) Answer that one, wise girl.
14: Oh, Willie, you provoke me.
3: Yeah, you provoke me, too. Tell her to pack her race (laughs) informant.
14: Here's your orange juice.
3: Now, could I have the glass, please? (laughs)
14: I didn't mean to throw it at you, but you get me so mad. Yeah. Now, will you please get out of bed?
3: Yeah, I, uh, I can't budge. <laughs> I started to say bulge.
14: <laughs> I can't
3: budge. I got so many covers on me last night, they got me pinned down this morning.
14: The covers aren't holding you down. You're sleeping under the mattress. <laughs> oh, yeah, I
3: remember now. I wanted my pants to. To have a nice crease in them, so I put them under the mattress and I was too tired to take them off.
14: Oh, get dressed and I'll make some breakfast.
3: Yeah, let's not have biscuits again.
14: We didn't have biscuits last week.
3: That's what I mean. Let's not have them again this week.
14: Here's some clean socks. Yeah,
3: I'm glad you gave me some cleaning. Those others were hitchhiking around the room last night. Willie,
14: really, hmm? will you be home early tonight? I'll
3: be home 20 minutes after
14: 20 minutes after what?
3: After they throw me out of Joe's place.
14: <laughs> that reminds
3: me, I'm thirsty. Oh, I'll get you some
14: water.
3: I said thirsty, not dirty. <laughs> a
14: glass
3: of water won't hurt you. Oh, it won't. Uh, did you ever see the inside of a water pipe? <laughs>
14: Inside of a fermented keg.
3: Uh, well, I'd rather be moldy than rusty. <laughs> hey, why do you want me to come home early tonight for? Because
14: us? we're invited out to a party. Oh
3: uh, good, good.
14: <laughs>
3: Anybody we know?
14: Yeah. Why do you
3: ask? Well, the people that know us don't usually invite us back the second time. <laughs> Who is it? The Norm Thalens, those natural sports?
14: Huh? Oh, and by the way, Willie, the party is formal.
3: <laughs> yeah? Well, in that case, you better sew some tails on my sweatshirt. On <laughs> well, second uh, thought, I, I will wear my Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, and then you won't have to bother sewing on
12: the tail. Willie, I need it. Sorry, a I
14: Mickey. thought of that. <laughs> I need a new dress.
3: A new dress? Well, may I ask, what's wrong with the last dress I bought you?
14: It's out of style.
3: What do you mean, it's out of style? Already? You just got it for Dewey's speech. And as I recall, the Admiral complimented you on it. <laughs> not this, Dewey, the one that took Manila. <laughs> Look in the audience And I saw somebody Explaining it In terms it. Oh, Willie
14: I spend less On an evening dress Than you spend in a week At Joe's place Yeah,
3: but what I spend it on Keeps me warm, boy
14: Well, I guess We'll just have to Cancel the date yeah. I won't wear my old dress Makes me look a fright
3: Well, as long as It's an improvement What do you
14: care? Willie, if you want me To make a good impression okay. You do, don't you? Okay. And maybe you don't Maybe you'd rather I wear my old rags, Or go out in a gunny
3: sack I knew a gunny sack would look good (laughs) It'll match that potato head of yours (laughs) Besides, my bank account is getting pretty low Have your checks been bouncing? Bouncing? I got news for you Did you know that last month when the bank returned my checks The mailman dribbled them to the door?
14: (laughs) All of the neighbors to hear you.
3: I don't care. I don't have to impress the neighbors. I don't have to impress anybody.
14: You said that twice. Said what? You don't have to impress people. I
3: just said that. <laughs> you and your big mouth, you're the pin-
14: What did you say?
3: I said I don't have to impress people. That's right.
14: You're right, Robbie. You don't have to impress me.
3: Well, people. one dead end street here. And
14: but... I noticed that last night at our party, you tried to impress your boss with one of your fancy mixtures.
3: Well, what do you mean by that? What was wrong with being neighborly?
14: Well, I suppose you know your boss is in the hospital.
3: No. What happened?
14: Well, you fixed him one of your Willie Lump Lump specials. Then he opened the window on the second floor and said, Well, I think I'll fly around the block. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I remember that now. Oh, you do? Yeah. And why didn't you stop him? I thought he could make it. <laughs> and now, David Rose and the Fox and Gamble orchestra will play Liza, and this week, Dave will be in New Orleans at the Roosevelt Hotel. <laughs>
4: I bet there's not a lady listening who hasn't felt that dishwashing could use a miracle. And I'm here to say that Tide is that miracle. Procter & Gamble's Tide washes dishes cleaner than any soap in the world. Tide cuts grease better than any soap, too. Cuts it right out of the picture. So there's no scum in the dishwater. No greasy ring round the pan. And when your dishes and glasses rinse and dry, they're really clear and sparkling. Because with Tide, there's no cloudy film to dim their brightness. Those Tide suds Are in the miracle class, too. In even the hardest water, they billow up instantly oceans of them. In hardest water, too, those tide suds last and last. And all the while, they're so kind to your hands. Sure, it's a miracle. Sure, you'd better try it. Tide for dishes.
11: From the Mean Little Kid's Diary.
3: Have you ever noticed how children are constantly being called stupid because they pick up a knife or a box of matches that mom and pop have left lying around? Well, let's see what happens when things like that are within reach of Junior, the mean little kid. Junior, why don't you answer me? I thought I'd wait till I'm 21 and I'll be too old for a spanking. <laughs> now, whatever gave you the idea I was going to spank you? Yeah, Junior, mm? what are you doing with my good blanket? Well, I'm pretending i was on a camping trip, see, and this is me tent. This is my tent. And this is the flap where I go in. <laughs> oh, i flap you, young man, my good blanket. Oh, you, how can you stand the smell of all those mothballs? Mothballs? Is that what them little things are? I thought they were skunking. <laughs>
5: Come on, climb in the tent with me. Get
3: in out of the rain. Come oh, on, get in out of oh, the, I the rain. I wish I had your imagination, dear. Oh. But I just can't pretend it's raining in my own living room. Yeah, well, it'll be easier for you when the tub upstairs starts to run over. <laughs> oh, Junior, you're kidding me. <laughs> you keep laughing, kiddo, that's all. <laughs> but in the meantime, while you're doing it, you better put on some water wings, I'm telling oh, uh, you. Junior, hmm? you deserve a good whipping. You mean right now? Well, why not right well, now? Well, I thought you'd like to check over all the stuff i I got here in my tent, and you may be able to kill two hairbrushes with one junior. That's an excellent idea. Yeah. Wait, what's that pile of wood for? That's for my campfire if it gets cold. Junior, you wouldn't build a campfire in the living room. What are you thinking of? Toasted marshmallows. <laughs> junior, do you have any matches? No, I thought I'd rub two of uh, those bottles that grandpa's together. They seem to light him up, you know. <laughs> junior! Well, at least you're not playing with matches. No. You know better than that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they don't do half a good job as this blowtorch does. Oh, okay. yeah, no, give baby me, boy, Give me that I blowtorch. Somebody with a leg or hot foot with that thing. Junior, hmm? give me that blowtorch. I think I'd better take a look and see what else you have in your tent. Well, now, don't mess with it. <gasps> me. Oh, a can of inflammable cleaning fluid. A hatchet, ant paste, yeah. ice pick. Oh, my meat cleaver, Junior! What on earth are you thinking of? I'm thinking of getting out of here while I'm still all in one piece. <laughs> Don't you realize that these things are dangerous? Oh? You mustn't play with sharp objects. Why? Why you might cut yourself. Oh? And band-aids are expensive. Yes.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well,
3: nosy, while you're out snooping around, maybe you would like to see the rest of me buried treasure, too. Yes, I would. Where right. are your buried treasures? Over you there, buried there. You see the yes. part of the rug that's been cut in a square there? Oh, no. Oh, you didn't cut a square in the rug? No, 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 no. Uh-huh. Only on three sides, so it would open like a trap door. <laughs> oh, my good hooked rug. Well, it not look like you're going to have to hook another one, <laughs> I've got a good mind to tend. It you. won't do you any good. I'm not the type to tend. I just turned red. Let's see what you've buried under there. Here, only this thing. Here. Your father shot them. Put Here. it down! Yeah. But don't yell, you scared me, too. Don't get so excited. I looked down the barrel, it ain't loaded If I, anything came out, I could see it before it got out. Anyway. It ain't loaded. Look, I pull the trigger and show you. No! In. Are you all right, child? Oh, the backfire knocked you clean across the room. Oh, You're a good boy, not to cry. I didn't know I could cry. I thought I was dead. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that shot did any damage to the house. Uh, We'll see when the smoke clears away. Oh look, Nemo! Now I got a cave to play in. The wall's gone. Mother, 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 what was
14: that shot? That's no way to punish Junior. (laughs) (laughs) What
3: happened? Oh, Nemo and I had a little riff, and she beat me to the draw. Now don't listen. (laughs) You listen to him. That stupid husband of yours left his gun where Junior could get a hold of it. Junior, come here to me. No, no, don't, no, please. No, I didn't know you were loaded. Oh, Junior, don't you realize that you might have been injured? Yes, I might have been injured.
14: Are you all right?
3: Yes, I'm all right.
14: Now, maybe this will teach you to leave that gun. no. Oh, 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 oh,
3: oh, oh. oh, oh. I mean, mummies are so unpredictable,
11: you know. You hit me. You hit me. It's your
3: fault. You should get the weapons for being too careless. you have growing up, leave things around. For us. we don't kid you. We don't know any
12: difference. Uh,
14: never mind the lecture. <laughs> now, get yourself
12: up to your room. No, i go next door and play with Phil Harris.
5: Oh, <laughs>
3: I hate to spank him so much. I do, too. It's getting so lately, I see the back of him more than his face. <laughs> now the In this case, the child is right. It's our fault for leaving things within his reach. Oh, just wait until his father comes home.
14: Am I going to let him have it for leaving that gun loaded? Oh, why did I marry him anyway?
3: Well, you're just like your father. You'd marry anything. <laughs>
5: What's oh. wrong, Junior?
3: What is it? I got me finger cut cutting the out, Trout. Well, what did
5: you stick <laughs>
14: your finger in it for?
3: Well, I figured you would send me to bed without me supper, so I figured a little piece of cheese would be better than nothing at all. <laughs> Look. I think you'd better come back to my room, Junior, where I can keep an eye on you.
14: Mother, do you think juvenile jury could help us solve him?
3: <laughs> no, dear. They only solve natural problems,
14: <laughs> not
3: supernatural. Junior, go to my room. Okay, okay. I wish Bill Harris was sober so I could play with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I am, darling. Now, I wonder if there's any candy around here. I could nab before the dictators come upstairs here. Let's see. Nope, oh, nothing in that drawer. Boy, it's as empty as a bar without a television set. What's you little he box here on the bedstand? Jelly beans! Red jelly beans. Mummy calls them sleepy pills, but that's only because she knows how I hate to sleep. But, ooh, I love jelly beans. I'll just eat three or four of them. Boy, they bitter. Woo! Woo! I better get a drink of water to get that taste out of my mouth. Woo! Mind, well, let's see now if I can reach that glass up there. I stand on me tippy toes and maybe I can reach it. Nope, nope, nope. I could have made it if Namo hadn't a trimmed me toenails. <laughs> uh, I jumped for it, I jumped for it. Nope. Oh, broke the glass. Well, I, I gotta remember to tell Mummy about the broken glass. She might cut her feet when she takes a bath. I just crawl in the bathtub and get a drink from the picket, boy. There's nothing like crawling into a bathtub, especially when there's no water in it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no! Mommy! Oh, no! oh, no! oh, no! oh, no! oh, no! oh, oh! No!
14: You what on earth? What are you doing in that bathtub? I
12: turned the shower on by mistake and tricked myself into taking a bath. Well, <laughs> <laughs> get out
14: of the bathtub. Be careful. You might slip, hit your head, and crack the enamel. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Can I take a nap? I get no sleep. You actually asked to take a nap? Yeah. Tell me, are you running a temperature? You no, know, I just feel sleepy. You think the Sandman made an early delivery today? <laughs> Jean, look mm. what's on the floor. <gasps> oh, my sleeping pills. Junior, did you eat any of these pills? Ooh. He did. He did. I'll them. Oh. Open your,
14: open your eyes, Junior, and talk to me
3: My eyes is open, I just got long lids all a Junior, answer me Did you eat any of those sleeping pills? Well, I ate them things in the box Why didn't you tell me they were Halloween trick jelly beans? Oh, you poor little darling Oh, what shall I do? Don't let him go to sleep Don't let... The emergency squad
14: is on the way Keep him talking Talk to mummy, mm-hmm. darling, yes. say something Anything
3: Who won the fourth at Hollywood Park?
14: Can you hear me? Can you hear me, baby? Oh you
3: sound like you're talking longer. Oh, Mother. Oh, it's all my fault for being so careless. Oh, <laughs> oh my stomach's Maybe growling. My stomach's growling. Stop leaving things around that are dangerous. Come in. Up here. <laughs> quickly, up uh, here.
11: Bring the stomach up, boys.
3: Here he is, Doctor.
11: Get to work on him, boys. Okay, Doctor.
3: Oh, you've got to
14: save him, Doctor. Well, we'll
11: do all we can. It's
14: all my fault. It's all my fault. Well, getting
11: hysterical isn't going to help.
3: he'll be okay now, Doc. Oh, thank heavens. Stop crying, Lovine. Let
11: her alone. Maybe the scare will make her realize that death is sometimes caused by careless parents. For last week alone, we had 32 accidents that should have been called deliberate. And all because of the carelessness of the parents who leave dangerous objects within the reach of children.
3: Oh, I feel faint. I think I'll go lie down.
4: He's okay now, Doc. Oh,
3: mommy. Mommy. Yes, dear? Now that you saved me life, you better tell them or not to lay down on the bed. What? Oh! And it's an imaginary hunting trip. Lorraine, look what was in my bed. Two bear traps.
4: Thanks for being with us tonight. We hope you liked our program well enough to be with us next week. So, until next Friday... This is
3: Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that Wash Day miracle, Tide.
16: Tide's in. Dirt's out. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E. Tide.
4: Dr. Gamble invites you to join us again with Red Skelton next Friday, and now stay tuned to The Life of Riley, which follows immediately. Red Skelton is heard on this program through the courtesy of Metro Golden Mayor.
1: Don't forget your community chest.
4: This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Yeah, it was you know, an exciting you know, election, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone thought Dewey would sweep the country. Yeah, but little old Harry stole these brooms. <laughs> I uh, wonder how the candidates felt after the election Well,
3: after it was over Truman passed cigars Dewey passed the buck And the last we heard from Wallace He was still passing the hat (laughs) Hey, I hear tomorrow night That Wallace and his party Is holding a mass meeting In a telephone booth (laughs) You know, the guy I feel sorry for Is Dr. Gallup (laughs) What happened to Gallup? He slowed down to a walk (laughs) I wonder what Gallup will do now. Oh, he'll probably go up in the mountains and become editor of Literary Digest.
5: (laughs) He found out that
3: there's more voters than you can shake a poll at.
4: (laughs) Did you watch the election returns come in over television? No,
3: all I could get was the World Series. The World Series was
4: played weeks ago.
3: I know, but I'm behind in my monthly payment.
9: (laughs) Just in case you didn't understand that joke about Gallup, Gallup, did a final poll, and according to what Gallup ascertained was that likely voters, Dewey won the election hands down, according to polling. However, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Truman won a major victory for the Democratic Party at the time. Before Gallup ever started the polling, there was something called the Literary Digest poll, and, and they predicted that Roosevelt would lose in the 1936 election. Well, they were so dead wrong that they went out of business. At the same time, the practice of using opinion polls to measure the pulse of the American electorate was thriving. By 1948, there were several major polls competing for the big prize, that of accurately predicting the outcome of the presidential elections. The best known was Gallup poll, and its two main competitors were Roper and Crosley. By this time, all major polls were using what was believed to be a much more scientific method for choosing their samples called quota sampling. Quota sampling had been introduced by George Gallup in 1935 and had been successfully used by him to predict the 1936, 1940, and 1944 elections. Quota sampling is nothing more than a systematic effort to force the sample to fit a certain national profile by using quotas. The sample should not have so many women, so many men, so many blacks, so many whites, so many under 40, so many over 40, etc. The numbers in each category were taken represent the same portions in the sample as are in the electorate at large. Unfortunately, Gallup's sample was only 3,250 people, and they didn't account for rural voters, black voters, females, and any area of the rural population was even considered, not one bit. The prediction by Gallup was that Dewey would win by 50% and Truman by 44%. But when it came to the final results, Truman won by 50% and Dewey lost by 45%. And the two third-party candidates took 5% of the vote. So that that's how it went which is a lesson for voters today in 2018. Don't pay attention to the polls. Just go vote. And we have a big election coming up, too, on November 6th, and I hope everyone votes. Get out and vote, please. And enjoy this Red Skelton show. It's from November 5th, 1948, and it's called Junior and the Milkman. And I'll be back next week.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Red Skelton back again. See, last week, President Truman took our time. (laughs) I knew once he'd get to the people that listened to me, he'd get in.
4: From Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family Wash.
16: Tide's in. Dirt's out. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap.
4: Any soap?
16: Yes, any soap. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E. Tide.
4: And now from Metro-Golden-Mare, the star of our show, Red Scout.
3: Ladies and gentlemen Hey Rod you know anybody Who wants to buy Any old Dewey buttons?
4: Uh, Did you vote red?
3: No I voted American (laughs) I laughed myself I don't want to get Lonesome tonight
4: (laughs) Now you know what I mean It was an exciting election Though wasn't it? Yeah Everyone thought Dewey would sweep the country Yeah but little old Harry Stole these brooms I uh, wonder how the candidates felt after the election. Well,
3: after it was over, Truman passed cigars, Dewey passed the buck, and the last we heard from Wallace, he was still passing the hat. (laughs) Hey, I hear tomorrow night that Wallace and his party is holding a mass meeting in a telephone booth. (laughs) You know, the guy I feel sorry for is
7: Dr. Gallup. (laughs) What happened to Gallup?
3: He slowed down to a walk. (laughs) Well, I wonder what Gallup will do now. Oh, he'll probably go up in the mountains and become editor of Literary Digest. He found out that there's more voters than you can shake a poll at.
4: Did you watch the election returns come in over television? No, all I could get was the World Series. The World Series was played weeks ago.
3: I know, but I'm behind in my monthly payment.
5: (laughs) Well, they show
3: me the, the old telecast. Next week, I get to see gorgeous George wrestling at the age of two.
16: <laughs> Tides in. Dirt's out. Tide gets clothes Cleaner than any soap.
0: Any soap?
16: Yes, any soap.
0: Well, I'm... <laughs>
12: Hold on to your horses
5: there, gal! <laughs>
3: you're taking in an awful lot of territory. You mean to tell me that Tide is the best sudger that ever hit the pike? Am I right there, Rod?
4: Did I, you're dead right. Dead <laughs> Because Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap, any other suds, any other washing product known. Tide works its magic on everything, from your Sunday linens to your everyday work clothes. Tide leaves them free from dirt plus, because Tide also removes dingy soap film. Yet with all this special cleaning power, Tide is safe, truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, it actually brightens soap dull colors, gives those gay prints and pastels an amazing lift, and here's what the Tide Touch does for white things. In hardest water, Tide gets shirts, curtains, and napkins dazzling, whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too, week after week, never turns them yellow. As Dead Eye says, there are stacks and stacks of wash day products, but of them all, only Tide gives you this three-way miracle, the cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line.
3: Oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I've got to tell you folks listening in what we're laughing at. We have one actor on the stage that got drunk the other night and cut his own hair. <laughs>
5: and now, ladies and
3: gentlemen, here are the four knights who will sing Alabama Bound.
10: Goodbye blues, birdies are singing. So I'm going where there's more. Goodbye, Troubles troubles are over. I'll be in Clover soon. I'm Alabama-bound. There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging round. Just give the meanest ticket man on man. All I'm worth to put my curses in and up apple. Just hear the choo-choo sound I know that soon we're going to cover ground And then I'll holler so the world will know Here I go I'm Alabama-bound I can hear the choo-choo whistle blow Watch that engine as we start to go. Now we're in Baltimore and we're knocking at Dixon's door. Hey, what's that, Bill? We've passed that before. The fields of cotton tell me where I am. Hear the fella yelling at a bag. Get your kisses ready for your honey lamb. I'm at a family found. There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging round. Just be the meanest ticket man on earth. All I'm worth to put my tootsies in an upper bird. I'm just a lucky hound to have someone to put my arms around. That's why I'm shouting so the world will know. Here I go. I'm at a
11: People you will meet sooner or later.
3: That's enough, that's enough. Hey, that's enough. We're selling Tide and Camay, not Lava. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever met someone who has a screwball idea but no money to put it over? I met a guy like that the other day, Clem Kadiddlehopper, and you'll meet someone like him too, sooner or later. (laughs) (laughs) A song, if nothing else. <laughs> well, sure. well, there's the tree that Daisy June and I carved our initials in. Yes, yeah, sure, it says DJ Loves X.
5: <laughs> oh,
3: it's kind of cool today. Fall is really here. Mother Nature's painted everything a new color. Sure wish you'd give me a few dabs, too. <laughs> I don't care for the shade of green I am now. No, <laughs> oh, I'm not worrying about my looks. If I become a success, with my flea circus, boy, I'll be in them uh, up to my ears and money. Oh, my ears hang so low to the ground now that you can barely slide a dime under it. <laughs> oh, look, here comes one of them big shaggy Saint Bernard dogs. And maybe I can make friends with him and get some stand-in from a flea circus. Here, over, here boy.
14: Howdy, Claire!
3: Howdy, duty to you
14: hear about you exhibiting a flea circus at the county fair.
3: That's the truth. I'm in the flea circus business. I started from scratch, too.
14: (laughs) Would you care to help me? What? Me be a nursemaid to a bunch of
3: fleas? Well, don't get so uppity uppity. After all, I remember a few years ago when you was a jitterbug. (laughs) Over here in this cage here made out of a magnifying glass. Here, have a look. Have a look.
14: Oh, gee, they're ugly looking things. What makes them run around like they're scared?
3: Well, don't forget they're also looking at you through the magnifying glass.
14: Well, I like that. You do? I ought to slap your face.
3: Well, go ahead. I was about to shift my bubble gum, anyhow. Hey, uh, take a peek at this little bunch over here rehearsing. Right? Aren't they tiny? Yeah, the one with a mole on his chin is my favorite, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm fond of all those little creatures. You know, after you're around them for a few days, there's something about a flea that gets under your skin,
14: you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Clem, a flea circuit's uh, such a foolish idea.
3: Yeah.
14: Why don't you do something else at the fair?
3: Well, I was thinking of uh, setting up one of those uh, booths and sell kisses for... Six for a dollar and ninety-eight, see? Might not be fun, but it would be a bargain.
14: Well, the girl wouldn't kiss you if you gave her a thousand dollars.
3: If I gave a girl a thousand dollars, she couldn't kiss me. They wouldn't let me out of my straitjacket that long. Oh.
14: oh, speaking of money, where are you going to get the money to pay your rental space at the fairground?
3: Well, I tried to borrow some money from the bank.
14: Did they give you credit?
3: Yeah. They said I sure had a lot of nerve. <laughs> Tried to borrow some money on my collateral. How'd you come out? On my collateral. <laughs> I love this tonight. We just shut this this afternoon, you know.
14: You mean you couldn't float alone? I float
3: alone? I couldn't float if somebody was holding me up. Daisy Zoom, would you like to loan me some money? Hmm?
14: Mm, how would I know that you'd pay me back?
3: Well, haven't I always paid you back? Never. Well, then that's how you would know.
5: Clem! <laughs> Clem!
3: I'm coming, Mother. And so is every other hog in the state.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, look, he's got a sheep. Hey, Bo Pete, where did you get that animated ball of yarn? Now, look, son. Don't go and get sourcrastic. You said to bring him up here do you. No, I didn't. I said bring some fleas. Fleas? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said fleas. Well, now you can see where I got my brain.
9: <laughs> there
3: wasn't much left either. Well, what? What with fleas? I'm going to make them perform it, if I can get some money and then take them to the state fair there, you know. Ooh. Yeah, would, Ma, would you loan me some money so I could get to the fair? Why? Are you financially embarrassed, son? No, I'm broke. <laughs> but it would take more than that to embarrass me. Uh... I'm sorry, but I ain't got a dime. I yet, paid out my last five cents to the insurance man. Well, maybe you could hawk something. Oh, son, I hawked everything I own. My hair piece, my teeth, my false eyelashes. There's so much of me hanging in that hawk shop window that your pa's suing me for desertion. <laughs> Well, I guess my chance of making some money is just out the window. Well, now, Clem, if you really think you can make a lot of money with that flea circus, why don't you take our old bull over there and sell him to the butcher? Well, Mo, we couldn't do that. Why? He's been in the family for five generations. <laughs> Buffalo Bill gave him to us. That bull? No, it's the gospel truth. Oh, well. You know, we can get arrested for this stuff. Go ahead and take him, son. Maybe you'll make enough in your flea circus to buy us an Aberdeen Angus bull. Oh, Freeman will like to hear that. Okay, you pile the flea cage on the truck while I get the bull. Daisy June, you want to help me put the bull in the back of the truck? Okay, I'll pull and you push. Okay, come
14: on.
3: <laughs> well, he's in.
14: Clam, you have to sit on my lap.
3: Sure, the bull's sitting on mine. Well, that's that. Well, let's go. Start the motor. Okay. No, well, I got it started. Now stand back while I run and put it under the hood. <laughs> We're off.
10: Oh, it's a beautiful day.
14: Clam.
13: Oh, what
3: a beautiful
14: Plam, I can't see through the windshield. The glass is dirty.
3: That ain't a glass windshield. Last time it broke, I replaced it with bricks.
14: But, Clam, <laughs> with a brick windshield, you can't see where you're going. The way
3: I drive, who wants to see?
14: Clam. <laughs> I think our trains are coming.
3: Oh, well, don't worry. I ain't going to cross the tracks. I'm driving right down the middle of
14: them. The trains are gaining on us. Do something! Okay,
3: I'll turn off the track. Look in the glove compartment and see if you can find the steering wheel. Eh? Don't
14: you realize that train might hit us and smear my lipstick?
3: Yeah. You head with it, too. <laughs> We're coming to a tunnel. It won't be so easy for them to hit us in the dark. i Aren't you going to jump out? What do you think I'm doing in midair? Resting? Come on! Let's go. Uh, that's about the noisiest Christ it's ever been on radio. up
14: hmm? Are you all right?
3: Well, let's see. Two arms, two legs, two heads. Yeah, I'm all here.
14: Slam lost everything.
3: Look at my train fleas all over the train.
14: And look at your bull. Hmm? I said, look at your bull.
3: Which hunk? (laughs) And now David Rose and the Procter & Gamble Orchestra will play, I'll Be Seeing You. (laughs)
4: imagine you're in a grocery store before you are rows and rows of washing products. Now, which one will you choose? Well, this should help you decide. No soap, no other suds, no other washing product known will get your clothes as clean as Procter and Gamble's Tide. Yes, Tide gets clothes cleaner. Not only leaves them free from dirt, but removes dingy soap film, too. Tide has all this cleaning power, yet it's safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. What's more? Tide actually brightens soap-dull colors. And in hardest water, Tide gets white linens and shirts whiter than any other washing product known. Those Tide suds are really something, too. Why, they even look and feel different. And you get oceans of them even in the hardest water. Remember, Tide and only Tide promises and delivers this amazing combination. The cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line.
11: A page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary.
3: Ever noticed how little children like to meet strangers? All kids like to be good, too, but sometimes they just don't make it. Let's see what happens to Junior, the Mean Widow Kid. <laughs> Mommy, Mommy. What is it, Junior? Mommy, What's the matter? Well, I put on my cowboy outfit and all the juvenile jury kids laugh at me. Don't I look like a cowboy? Look, I turn around and go, look.
14: You look like a cowboy to me? Yeah, no. Junior, you're supposed to
3: wear pants under the shafts. <laughs> Thought that Bear Midriff was a little low and drafty. here, put on these long pants your grandmother
14: made for you. No, they don't
3: fit me. They well, don't they're good fit
14: me. Well, enough to play around in. Sure. I'll put
3: them on. Okay. You better go wash your legs first. Why? Right.
14: <gasps> Why, your knees are so black, I can't see where your half socks leave off.
3: I got news for you, kiddo. I ain't not wearing any socks. <laughs>
14: What have you done to your shoes? Your toes are sticking out.
3: Brace yourself. I'm not wearing any shoes either. Well, go take a shower. Okay, okay. I am going to take a shower. I am going to take a shower. I have taken me shower. I have taken me shower. Hey, i taken me shower. Did you dry real good? I didn't have to. Why? I didn't get
14: wet. <laughs> Shower. Okay, well, don't hit me. Don't hit me. I'm going to the towel. I'm going to... Oh, don't bring in
3: your back. Well, in back. Well, I've looked high and low and I can't find them. Find what, Mother? Your father's false teeth. Are they gone again? Yes. Junior? Yes, Mommy, now, what you want? Oh, oh, oh. oh for goodness sake. Stand on a towel. Look, water's dripping all over the rug. Well, turn your head. Turn your head. <laughs> The, I is raw! <laughs> Did you know that your grandfather's teeth are missing again? You mean the uppers don't connect with the lowers? Poor old boy's gonna starve, you know? Now, you, know, you know very well what I mean. No, I don't. Somebody took your grandfather's teeth. Well, I didn't... Look, these are mine, see? They're mine. <laughs> these what... are my own choppers. What happened to your front tooth? Oh, I lost it sipping spaghetti. Sipping spaghetti. Yeah, you know, you take a big long string of spaghetti, and... yes. you sip it and it slap you on both sides of your face, you know. And you yes. and that's how I lost my tooth. Somebody tied a knot in one of About your
14: grandfather's teeth.
3: Huh? Well, who would do this trick like that? Who would take them? Who would do this trick like that? I'm looking at the person who took them. And I'm looking at the person who took them. Well, hand me a mirror. I'd like a look at him, too. Uh-huh. That's just what I thought. The ring. can't you teach this boy to let things alone? Here, here. Look, fatso. You... <laughs> you suggesting that she should whip me or something. You suggest something like that. I'm going to tell on you. You'll tell what? Uh, i tell about you being a spy in the Civil War. <laughs> now, that's ridiculous. I wasn't even born then. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no. Quick, Bernard, give me the secret papers. Well, turn your back. i got to hide them in my third petticoat. Case dismissed. <laughs> <minute>. Junior! <laughs> Why do I let him lead me into stupid things like this? So, well, go, oh, she's mad now. Now, that'll be
14: enough out of you, young well, man. Well, she's started it, she? Here. Now, you mind me. Put these pants on.
3: Okay. Let's
14: now, yeah. run along. Okay. And go apologize to your grandmother.
3: Okay, I'll go apologize to you. Namor, where's my sweet dear Namor? They fall for this stuff, you know. Where is my, <laughs> where is my sweet Namor? Now, don't come in here and soft-soap me. I'm not soft soaping you. Mm. I'm sorry that I was nasty because you're so beautiful and you're so nice. Well... <laughs> it's all right yeah. Now, go play and let Nama rest Well, can't I get you something? Let me be your slave <laughs> Can't I get you a beer or something? <laughs> uh, maybe some food, some food no, dear huh? I am hungry but I'll fix something for myself later. Oh, okay. I will run along. I know what I will do. I will fix her a bite to eat and she will love me again. Well, here I is in the kitchen. There's the gas stove. There's the matches. And me. Fighting, ain't it, huh? <laughs> What's that? Who coming in there? Who's in there? Oh, here comes the milkman Well, we have never met before Well, that's his misfortune that we have to now
11: I'm going to go out and see
3: what... Here, what are you doing with those milk bottles? Put them down Ah,
11: eh? well, I'm only taking the empties away Oh,
3: no, you not You think you're pretty clever Just because I was a little kid You didn't think I would notice you swiping them bottles, did you?
11: I'm not swiping any bottles You ain't? No, these belong to the company
3: You ain't company You wasn't even invited <laughs> Now you put those bottles down because you're going to there'll be trouble. And believe me, if I put my mind to it, I can get pretty nasty. I can get pretty nasty, I can. Pretty oh, nasty, brother. Pretty nasty I can get.
10: Now
11: I know why they've got that sign on the gate. Enter at your own risk. <laughs>
3: Wait a minute. Don't we pay you for the bottles that you eat here? Of course you well, do. Well then how about kicking in for them bottles that you've taken? A dime should do it, I suppose.
11: Why, I've never heard of such a thing. You
3: heard it now. If you don't start feeling a dime in me with a mix, you remember I can get pretty nasty. Okay, okay, here's your dime. Yeah, and a nickel for overtime. What? <laughs> After all, you wasn't very easy to convince, you know. You all
11: right, here's another nickel. Oh, okay.
3: Hey, now, what you doing now? What
11: well, you... I'm going to put these bottles of milk in the icebox.
3: Only three? Well, my mummy told me to tell you that she wanted 20 bottles of milk today. She's going to take a milk bath. What? You know. Yeah. Grandma tried to take a milk bath once, but she couldn't get the cow in the tub. Well, <laughs> what'd she do? Huh? What'd she do? Well, she hoisted the cow and took a shower. Oh! <laughs> If your
11: mother wants twenty bottles of milk, I'll leave them for okay, her. Can
3: you carry all them bottles? Sure.
11: It's kind of hard seeing where I'm walking. Uh, uh, maybe you could help me.
3: Famous last words. <laughs> well, this boy's a natural born he?
11: You let me know how many steps there are on the back porch. Sonny. Okay, just right. start
3: walking, sucker. There's another step, another
11: step Oh, pie. Boy, I'm thinking of what would happen if I trip with all these bottles. Funny,
3: <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Another step. Step up. How am I doing? So good it's discouraging, you know. (laughs) Should I tell him that there's a roller skate at the top of the steps? Or should I just let him ad-lib from here? (laughs) (laughs) Tell tell me all this. Before from that haircut he
11: got. (laughs) Are there any more steps? I can't hold these bottles forever. Uh, Don't worry. You won't be. (laughs) Just one more step, brother, and you'll really be rolling. Okay. (laughs) Oh!
3: Buttermilk fingers? What <laughs> you homogenize?
11: Little boy, I'm getting out of here. And you can explain what happened. Oh,
3: no, don't eat me. Oh, why do I
11: stay a milkman? Why don't I start my own political party past the hat and
4: settle down? Here, come, come back here. Help
3: me clean up this mess. If you know what's good for me, you will come back. Junior,
4: oh, oh. what was that crash? If you've broken
3: anything, I... Good heavens, what a mess. Junior... Junior! Yes, ma'am, where are you? Up in the train. Look at all this milk all over the place. What happened? Well, you know the county jumped over the moon? Yes. She didn't make a correct takeoff and she had a crash landing. Oh.
7: <laughs> this is NBC, the national
12: broadcasting company.
9: Has been Radio Production.